0: Thank you for listening to this audio from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website, trinityspartanburg.com. Well, let's pray and we'll look at chapter 32, of the confession. Father, we thank you for another Lord's Day in which we get to gather with your people, in your house, and we ask that you would bless us, that every one of our thoughts and meditations may be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, lead us through this chapter of the confession and the scriptures that we look at, Lord, we pray that it would be an encouragement to us and that it would fill in blanks in our knowledge. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy to us in Jesus, and we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. So, chapter 32 of the Westminster Confession of Faith is the second to last chapter. One more chapter after this, chapter 33. And chapter 33 is on the last judgment, which seems appropriate for the last chapter. Renton will be taking that up. Uh, next week, Lord willing. So chapter 32 is the time period between death and the resurrection. So of the state of men after death and of the resurrection of the dead. And this is commonly referred to as the intermediate state The intermediate state is not the final state, it's not the ultimate state, it is the intermediate state that we exist in for a time, and we'll talk about the specifics of that. Essentially, this chapter answers the question, what happens to you after you die? What happens to you when you die? And so uh, this quote, I'll start here from Calvin. Calvin is always helpful and um, never wants to go beyond Scripture. And so he, he has this warning about, the inner, about thinking about the intermediate state. Now it is neither lawful nor expedient to inquire too curiously concerning our soul's intermediate state. Many torment themselves overmuch with disputing as to what place the souls occupy and whether or not they already enjoy heavenly glory. Yet it is foolish and rash to inquire concerning unknown matters more deeply than God permits us to know. Scripture goes no farther than to say that Christ is present with them and receives them into paradise, John 12:32. 32, That they may obtain consolation while the souls of the reprobate suffer such torments as they deserve. What teacher or master will reveal to us that which God has concealed? Concerning the place, it is no less foolish and futile to inquire since we know that the soul does not have the same dimension as the body. The fact that the blessed gathering of saints, saintly spirits, is called Abraham's bosom, Luke 16:22 is enough to assure us of being received after this pilgrimage by the common father of the faithful that he may share the fruit of his faith with us. Meanwhile, since scripture everywhere bids us wait in expectation for Christ's coming and defers until then the crown of glory, let us be content with the limits divinely set for us, namely that the souls of the pious Having ended the toil of their warfare, enter into blessed rest, where in glad expectation they await the enjoyment of promised glory, and so all things are held in suspense until Christ the Redeemer appear. The lot of the reprobate is doubtless the same as that which Jude assigns to the devils to be held in chains until they are dragged to the punishment appointed for them, Jude 6. So Calvin is, is basically saying that, look, there, we have scripture on this, but there's not a whole lot. And so we don't want to uh, base what we determine about uh, what happens after life on conjecture or philosophy or speculation or opinion, but we want to stick to the Word of God. And there's information, but there's not a whole lot on this. Um, I'll be right back. There's a bit of a ring in the microphone. It's driving me crazy. Anybody else hear it? Maybe it's just in my head then. Might have made it worse. We'll see. Okay, so... So... That... Calvin saying there's not much is reflected in this chapter of the Confession. There's not much in this chapter in the Confession. In fact, the first section has to do with the intermediate state. The second two have to do with uh, the resurrection. And so... Um, There is not much here. So the question, though, that we're addressing is, what happens to you when you die? Okay? Man is made up of two parts, and those parts are what? Body and soul, right? Or body and spirit, body and soul. And so, the confession starts with talking about what what happens to your body. The body of men after death return to dust and see corruption. Okay? Pretty simple. Body goes into the ground and decays. That's what it means to see corruption. It decays. It it loses its vigor. It... um, rots and turns to dust right like everything or many things put into the ground do bodies of men after death return to dust and see corruption now we could talk we could talk at this point i could break away um, and talk about why christians bury their bodies instead of burning them to a crisp and to ashes um And why that's always been what Christians do. And pagans burn bodies, Christians bury bodies. And the reason for that is that our Lord's body was buried and then rose again. And there is a bodily resurrection. And that planting of a seed for the resurrection is a testimony to Christ's resurrection. That's why we bury. And why we should bury. But the main point here is... But your body's going to go in the ground and decay. It's, it's kind of a horrifying thought, isn't it? Um, it's very difficult to be at a grave site and see a loved one put into the ground because that body is that person. That body is as much that person as the soul that departed that body upon it, that person's death. And so, that body should be treated with, with dignity, with care, with kindness, because that, that body is that person. And so, to put it into the ground where you know that it will see corruption is, is, a, um, is difficult. Um, we've all experienced it, and yet this was the... The penalty of sin, that death would come, and from dust, we'll go to dust. And so, that's what happens to our bodies. There's nothing else to say about the body. It sits in the grave until the resurrection. All right? And then it turns to the souls. But what happens to our souls But their souls, which neither die nor sleep, having an immortal subsistence, immediately return to God who gave them. The souls of the righteous being then made perfect in holiness are received into the highest heavens, where they behold the face of God in light and glory, waiting for the full redemption of their bodies. And the souls of the wicked... Are cast into hell, where they remain in torments and utter darkness, reserved to the judgment of the great day. Besides these two places for souls separated from their bodies, the Scripture acknowledgeth none. So there are two places where souls go heaven and hell. Now that's been that's been argued about that's been um controversial believe it or not in the in the history of the the christian of christian theology early in the church there were many who believed that hades was a repository for all souls whether of believers or unbelievers righteous or unrighteous they would go to hades and there they would experience what corresponded to their faith. You know, if they were a believer, they would go to Hades and it would be pleasant. If they were an unbeliever, they would go to Hades and it would be unpleasant. And then the resurrection and then heaven and hell. And um, there, there was, has also been a tradition in the church, which I believe is, is uh, undoubtedly wrong, That upon death, the body goes into the ground, the soul sleeps until the resurrection. And then, because what is a soul without a body? You can't really compute that, because the body, the brain is what thinks, it's part of the body, right? What is a soul separated from the body? And so, people thought, well, without the body, the soul is just going to be as if it were asleep. It's just, it's not going to be... Animated in the same way, so it's called. Uh, what, what's the term? You'll never, you'll never, you'll never come across this again. No, psychopanikia, psychopanikia, soul sleep. Um, Calvin wrote a whole treatise, long treatise opposing soul sleep. Even though he says, let's not say too much about the intermediate state, he wrote a 50, 60-page treatise on how soul sleep was wrong, but he he just opposes that view. Um, doesn't say much positively about what his view is. And who held to soul sleep? Well, Anabaptists did. Socinians did. And... Um, a lot of people in the early church held that view, that the soul of man sleeps from the time of death until the resurrection. So Calvin combated that uh, in his treatise. And and so that's a wrong view. Um, So there, there are no other places where souls go. Heaven and hell. So soul sleep is wrong. There's not just a sleep. What other theories have you heard of as far as what happens to the soul upon death? Annihilationism, and what's that? The soul is gone. It just fades away, and... uh, and is annihilated and there's nothing more. There's no consciousness. There's no continued existence, right? Annihilationism. Now some cherry pick annihilationism and say that's what happens to unbelievers but not to believers, right? Others say, well, that's what happens to everybody. Um, We reject that view because of the testimony of scripture. What other views have you heard? Yeah. Yes, purgatory, right? Um, The Roman Catholic Church put forward this idea that, um, taken from apocryphal books, taken from misreadings of, of Scripture, that the souls of those who die go off to purgatory to be purified, right? To finish their sanctification, to finish the purification, Now, theologically, why? what's wrong with that? What's at the basis of that? Okay, it degrades what Christ did on the cross. It degrades the merit that Christ earned for you on the cross by saying that Christ did a certain amount of that meriting for you, and you get some of that, but then you've got to go to purgatory now, and you've got to... Suffer off the rest of that and merit heaven through your purgatorial activity. Okay, and so purgatory, we reject that as being unfounded in Scripture. It undermines the the sufficiency of Christ's work. Rallying cry of the Reformation, right? Right? Solus Christus. Uh, What else have you heard happens to the soul? What did the Pharisees believe? The Pharisees believed in reincarnation, believe it or not, Um, or at least some of them did. And so, yeah, reincarnation, the soul just goes and finds another body in which to inhabit, and you exist as, as that person, or that being, or that uh, life. And so, we, we reject all of those. So, purgatory, soul sleep, annihilation, reincarnation is not taught in Scripture. What is taught in Scripture is that when you're absent from the body, you are Present with the Lord, okay? And so, you know, we go to 2 Corinthians 5, and it, and it talks about this earthly tent. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, Inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, We are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. So there it is. That's what happens. The soul and the body are ripped apart at death. And it's a ripping because they're meant to be together. It's unnatural for a, a soul to be out of a body okay? God made man, body and soul, that's natural. Death came in, messed things up. Sin came in, messed things up, right? And now there's that, that death that happens to us because of the sin of Adam and our own corruption. And when we die, that there's, a, there's a tearing of those two apart, and the body goes and decays, and the soul goes to be with the Lord, if you are one of his elect, if you have faith. And you go into the presence of God immediately on death. So that last breath, you're here in this body. The next breath is in the presence of God as a soul without a body. And you've crossed over from this life to the next And there, that's not the end. That's still unnatural in a sense, right? God has made it so that you can immediately see his glory, immediately know rest, immediately enjoy that glory. But it's not the full glory. It's, it's, a, it's a, a, a foretaste of the glory that will come when the resurrection raises that body, returns the soul, and then you're forever with the Lord as you were created to be. Right, And so there's glory immediately after death. There's enjoyment. There's rest. But it's not the fullness of that glory. It's not the fullness of rest. It's not the fullness of, of the peace and joy that you will have. Um, that will come at the resurrection when you hear that well done, enter into the rest, and you, you then inhabit the new heavens and new earth. And you work, and you worship, and you love one another, and you do everything without sin. Almost, in, I mean, completely inconceivable to us. We have no idea what it means to go a minute without sin corrupting us, or sin, um, you know, uh, tr- attempting to trip us up and often tripping us up. There, will know sin will have no effect on us. Not. A bit. So, the confession, to return to the confession, unless there's a question or comment at this point. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, you just said, there. Um, yes. As as And it seems to the first step is the soul Yeah. Um, what you do with Sheol, what you do with Gehenna, what you do with Hades is is where all the controversy in this question lies. Um, Sheol, it it seems, um, is, you know, is the grave. That's how I would interpret Sheol as the grave right and that's where we all people go and undergo corruption because believers and unbelievers go to the grave it, it's interesting that believers and unbelievers have that same destiny that salvation doesn't take away death from believers right now why would god do that right why would why would we still suffer death even though we've been rescued from death by Jesus Christ. Anyway, we'll get to that. But but so Sheol, Hades, um, Gehenna. Gehenna seems to be used of the 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 eternal the eternal resting hell as we conceive of it. Hell is hell is is more of a, a, a term that's been imported to scripture right, but Hades and Gehenna is used in the New Testament, and Hades, uh, Hades is actually used in the Apostles' Creed, where we say hell, it says Hades, I believe, originally. Um, so, I'm not going to give you any clarity on that, other than to say that... Um, that the view that there is a holding place for all who have died is rejected by the Scriptures, certainly of the New Testament, okay? Unless you're speaking of the grave, which is common to everybody who dies. But not everybody will die, right? Enoch didn't die. Elijah didn't die. Um, Those who are here when the Lord returns won't die. But they will go through sort of a whew, swift transformation. Which will, I th- you know, who knows? Scripture doesn't speak to that. But there will be a, a transformation. Anyway, so that's, that's what I'd say to that. Good question. Um, if you want to read on this, uh, there's, you know, just, Get a systematic theology and and go to the back and look for intermediate state, and it will bring up these questions. I read Bavink. Bavink has a whole chapter in his, and he's not good, which is weird, because when I read Bavink, I like it, but he's talking out of both sides of his mouth. At one point, he's saying that, yeah, Hades is where all souls go, and then at the next, he's like immediately heaven or hell. And so um, he needed an editor on that chapter. I I don't think he did well. Um, or I'm an idiot, which is probably more likely and didn't read it right. So, um, take that for, all right. So, back to that question, then why, why is there no difference between believers and unbelievers as far as physical death is concerned? Why is there no difference? Um. And here's what Williamson says to that question. Williamson wrote a commentary on the confession, and he says the answer to that is it has pleased God to delay the physical benefits of Christ's redemptive work until the end of time. The last enemy that will be defeated is death, right? And he's delayed that to the end of the time. Now, why? What are the benefits that come to us um, because we're going to die, Well, he says this, no one is encouraged to be a Christian merely for the sake of liberation from sickness, suffering, and death. If we were liberated from death, I mean, people would would come to faith not because they love Christ and because they groan under their sins, but they'd be like, hey, I don't want to die. That's a pretty good deal. How can I get that? Second, he says, death like sickness... Adversity and weakness of body is a means of sanctification. It sanctifies us. Knowing that we will see, our bodies will see corruption in the ground, it sanctifies us. There is a time limit to our lives. That sanctifies us. How often do you think about that? Right? If you're under 30, you probably don't. If you're over 30, you do every day. Right? And so there's, there's an end to this, and, um, and that sanctifies us. That causes us to fear God. That causes us to contemplate the fact that he is the one who can cast body and soul into hell, as he says. And that, come, that point comes immediately upon death. There is no purgatory. There is no, like, way station where you get to decide if you're going to take the ramp to hell or the ramp to... To heaven, no, there is at death no other chance. And then he also says death is also a means of attaining something better which otherwise would not be attained. The resurrection body is better. And that comes by death. That comes by death to that body. This body and uh, being given a resurrection body. All right. So, notice what it says, that when you die, your body goes into the ground, your soul immediately goes to, returns to God who gave you that soul. God made that soul, and God claims that soul as his, and he brings it back to him. The souls of the righteous being then made perfect in holiness, so you are perfectly sanctified. There's no more sanctification that needs to go on. You are glorified waiting the resurrection, right? Glorified with more glory coming. You're made perfect in holiness, are received into the highest heavens, right? Not, not uh, some lesser place. Right up into heaven where you behold the face of God, it's all light, it's all glory there, it's all peace, it's all rest, because it's where God is. And there, one of the things you're going to do, yes, you'll worship um, how we express ourselves as of disembodied souls, I don't know, um, uh, God does it and he's a spirit, um, we will do similarly but we will be waiting for the full redemption of our bodies, right? One of the things we'll do is like, okay, man, this is going to be great. This redemption body, this body that, that does not get kidney stones, you know? Or if they do, you'll love it. It'll be like the most pleasant experience you've ever had, you know? So anyway, um, but we'll be waiting there, waiting for our bodies. And then on the other hand, the souls of the wicked, immediately upon death, that millisecond after death, find themselves separated from God, separated from God's benevolence, and in hell, where they remain in torments and utter darkness. Remember, when you go to God, it's light and glory. When you go to hell, it's torments and darkness, utter darkness. Reserved to the judgment of the great day. The souls in hell know something is coming as well. They know that there's a judgment coming and it's only going to get worse it's only going to get worse as their bodies are returned and souls are also returned to one another and then they have a a body that is always consumed and never always being consumed and never consumed right in that sense it's it's a it's an incredible body but Um, It will be uh, not fully consumed so that the wrath of God may abide on that person in its fullness without any end ever. There is no purgatory for those who go to hell. There is no time period at which they get to be annihilated and come out of that. They will eternally know the suffering of God. I mean the suffering the wrath of God. Do you contemplate this? Have we contemplated this? Um it is a very it is a very difficult doctrine for um postmoderns to accept. Postmoderns live and die for Egalitarianism. And the doctrine of hell is the most unegalitarian doctrine that there is. There will be some who know eternal bliss, and there will be some who know eternal punishment. That great dividing line between every soul that has ever lived, right? Is God holy? Is God holy? It does he hate sin. And then the question is, if God is holy, is hell just? Is rejecting the Son of God a just... uh, Is a punishment for rejecting the Son of God justly eternal? And Scripture says yes. And so we have to contemplate this. We do have to contemplate hell, this... Friday at Triple B, we're reading a sermon by Jonathan Edwards on hell for this very reason, and it's, it is helpful to contemplate. It is horrifying, in a sense, to contemplate. Our sin keeps us from delighting in the holiness and justice of God. We have to do a lot of work to say, no, God is absolutely holy, absolutely just. And so an infinite penalty for an infinite sin is is according to his character and is therefore good. Besides these two places for souls separated from their bodies, the Scripture acknowledges none. That's it. Heaven or hell. Immediately heaven, immediately hell. Awaiting the resurrection. At the resurrection, then there is a judgment that comes on that great day. And there's a separation between the sheep and the goats. And everybody then goes off to their final, final eternal resting place. All right. So, what if you're alive when Christ returns? Well, section two. At the last day, such as are found alive, shall not die, but be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4.17, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So at the last day, such as are found alive shall not die, but be changed. And all the dead, so that change will will be like. I think it will be intense. Like it's it's going to. Um, I mean that's that's. Your body that hasn't decayed is going to get that resurrection body. That sinful body will become the resurrection body in that instant. And it's, it's you know, I think you'll feel it. Right? Other ones have decayed, you know, for, for, and uh, that body raises and then, then is changed. And so those who are alive will experience that uh, in a certain way. But all the dead will be raised up with the selfsame bodies, right? The body you put into the ground is the body with which that is raised up, okay? Um, That happens, and none other, although with different qualities, right? So it's that body, but it has different qualities, which shall be united again to their souls forever, very, very uh, John 5, very, very, verily, verily, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to this Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. But all raised, all raised, everyone who ever lived on that day will rise from the ground. Even those who were scattered on, you know, the, 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 the summer lake that you have vacationed at as ashes right even those who were cremated that that doesn't affect any of this but again what i said earlier is important um and then last the chapter or section 3 the bodies of the unjust shall so the bodies of the unjust shall by the power of christ be raised to dishonor the bodies of the just by his spirit unto honor and be made conformable to His own glorious body. Right. So, so the one is raised to dishonor. They will they will receive punishment. They will be dishonored. They will be cast away from the benevolent presence of God. They will know God's wrath. They will be present. God will be present with them because He's omnipresent. But He will be there fully in His wrath. And then, um, and. Then the bodies of the just receive, are raised for honor. So, that's um, the content of this. There was one other thing I wanted to read to you that I found encouraging. There it is. Wait, no, this isn't it. Here it is. This is from Bavink, and it's the question that we often think of at this uh, when we think of death is, you know, is it right of me to long to see particular persons in heaven? You know, Um, we are raised with the same body. We will have similar appearance, Perhaps. Um, we will recognize one another and he 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 says this about this question is it you know is heaven going to be a reunion and he says included in our comment our communion is hope of reunion on the other side of the grave this is completely natural genuinely human and also in keeping with scripture For Scripture teaches us not a naked immortality of spectral souls, but the eternal life of individual persons. The joy of heaven, to be sure, first of all, consists in communion with Christ. So let's get that straight. You know, the joy of heaven will be the presence of Almighty God and Him being pleased with you and not consuming you in His wrath. Right? You seeing the face of God. Jesus is there, and that's what makes heaven joyful. The joy of heaven, to be sure, first of all, consists in communion with Christ, but further, in the fellowship of the blessed among themselves as well. Similarly, it is not absurd to think that the blessed in heaven yearn for the believers who are on earth. After all, they have a store of memories of the persons and conditions they knew on earth. The souls under the altar cry out for vengeance on account of the blood that had been shed. The bride, that is, the entire community of believers both in heaven and on earth, prays for the coming of the Lord Jesus. Although scripture gives us no warrant for believing that the blessed in heaven know everything that happens here on earth, still it is likely that they know as much about the church militant on earth as the latter does about them. So we know something of what's happening to the church triumphant, and the church triumphant knows something that's happening to the church militant here. We don't know it fully, but we know something of what's going on. Um, The state of the blessed in heaven, therefore, does bear a provisional character. There is still room for faith, hope, for longing, and prayer. Like believers on earth, they eagerly await the return of Christ, the resurrection of the dead, and the restoration of all things. Only then has the end been achieved. The souls in heaven thus cannot be conceived of as inactive. Although their work on earth is finished, they have other works to do in heaven. Scripture teaches this plainly. Those who have died in the Lord are with Jesus, Philippians 1.23, Stand before the throne of God and of the land, Revelation 7, 9, and 15. Cry out and pray, praise and serve him, Revelation 6, 10, 7, 10, 15, 22, 17. And so, that was very encouraging, right? There, there, is, a, um, there is a fellowship of the saints together, the church triumphant and the church militant, communing with one another through the Spirit, right? And and the very fact that yes, heaven will be specific persons, not just immortal specters or immortal souls, like immortal energy forces that are unrecognizable. No, it's like, it's us. It's us. It's that same body transformed and spirit made perfect, right? And so um, we... We will, uh, and so the, you know, when we conjecture about, man, I'd really like to ask the Apostle Paul what he meant in this verse. Well, he's going to be doing a a lecture circuit, (laughs) and we're going to love it, and he's going to tell us about all of the things that we didn't quite get, you know, and he's going to tell us about the things that he didn't quite get fully in his limited brain, that the Holy Spirit worked through him, right? And so, um, we will, and, and then we will, remember the final, the, this is where I'll end, the final resting place of God's people is earth, okay? It's not heaven. Um, or it is when heaven and earth are one, I guess would be the best way to put it. When God is there, and this will be a redeemed earth, it's awaiting its own redemption, right? It, it groans for the, our redemption, and it will be redeemed. And so, you know, we're caught up together with the Lord in the air, and then where do we go? We come back to the earth to, to enjoy what he gave to us and in a redeemed state and the very creation being redeemed. What that means, I mean, who knows? Who knows? But I know you won't be able to fall off a mountain and die. I mean, the laws of gravity are going to be wackadoodle. Different. You know, who knows? Um, so uh, these, are, these are glorious contemplations. We, it is fun to speculate Um, But don't speculate too deeply, as Calvin says. Stick with Scripture. Don't uh, try to concoct fully-orbed doctrines about this intermediate state. Stick with what Scripture says. It says quite few things. And and yet, it it should invigorate you. It should invigorate you to be uh, that even though it's not fully fully consummated, that intermediate state should be um, should be looked forward to. Here's, here's the last thing I'll say. And this is boving sort of talking about the intermediate state's not the be-all end-all. It's, it's the final state. He says, the victory of Christ over sin and death means that believers enjoy the first fruits of Christ's kingly reign now. So in this life, we get the first fruits. It's good. It's good to know the Lord. It's good to worship Him. It's good to uh, have uh, not be slaves to sin anymore. And immediately after death, a provisional bliss with Christ in heaven. So it's a provisional bliss. And the provisional part of it is you still need to undergo that resurrection, the return of the soul and the body, and the consummation of all things on the redeemed earth. And so... Praise God. Contemplate heaven. Contemplate hell. Give time to think about these things. Today you may draw your last breath and know this firsthand. You may. Immediately upon your death, one place or the other. And God doesn't ask you where you want to go. He knows exactly where you're going. Right? And that decision is made after that. And so if you don't know Christ, come to Christ. Believe in Christ. Believe in him and commit your life to him and worship him. And then you can be confident that in your death you will be in his presence at rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the hope of heaven. Thank you that you, upon our deaths, immediately rescue us and bring us to yourself. Father, I pray that we would be, uh, live our lives in a way that we are preparing for that moment always. That we would be fighting against our sin. Father, that we would be searching the scriptures to know you. That we would be singing your praises in the fellowship of your saints in your church. Father, that we would, we would uh, be telling the nations of your glory and calling people to repent. And so, Father, I pray that we would do this work and that it would fill our own hearts with joy and peace and believing. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.